0: Hi there, listeners. Welcome back to the Curiosity for Better Learning podcast. As you can tell from this episode's title, today we'll be diving into the second half of our two-part series on the science of teaching and learning. In this installment, we'll continue our discussion with Chris Rouleau and Tanya Gibson, two of the authoring minds behind the new classroom instruction that works we'll be taking a deeper dive into some research-backed strategies that encourage authentic learning and student curiosity. We'll also take a sneak peek behind the curtains to see what future projects McCrell has in the works that also pull from the new CITW's rigorous body of research. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. Hearing uh, both you and Tanya talk about this, what's so interesting to me is this all kind of sounds like common sense, like (laughs) hearing you talk through the learning model, hearing you talk through the strategies. I'm like, yeah, that matches up. That's also how. Yeah, that's that matches with how I think of learning. Mm -hmm. But I'm also thinking at the same time, 14 strategies. I can't imagine the. Initial meeting where you have just just giant whiteboard with about a hundred something strategies, and you're trying to figure out, okay, which of these is actually connected to research, and how do we narrow it down mm-hmm. so that this is actually something that is usable and is universal,
1: yeah, I think you've you've hit on something really important there is this this concept of intentionality, and it's becoming a bit of a buzzword at the moment. but we really do, as educators, need to be more intentional about the way we plan for learning because if we keep churning through standards and doing what we've always done, we're going to get the same results. And what we know is that our students are asking for more. You know, our our 20, 20th century or 20, yeah, 20th century model of education, is it's changing, it's morphing, and we have to move with it. So, the new CITW gives us a pathway to help teachers and leaders move into this next iteration of learning.
2: Well, I love that this edition seems to answer what I think are all the questions. What are the strategies? When to use? How to use? Why to use them? Mm-hmm. So, it seems like we cover a lot of bases, although I'm sure 10 years from now, we will think of new ways to evolve these even further.
3: Yep. I think you are absolutely spot on with that carrie uh as i mentioned it was really this proliferation of of studies that had scientific research designs that allowed us to focus on these 14 strategies um you know dallas to to your end we did we hundreds of studies we narrowed it down to 105 but we have resources that can be used so what works clearinghouse has criteria that says yes this study was done you know with this level of scientific design and met the what works clearinghouse criteria to be able to say that the results made a difference, that there was something significant there. And so every single study that contributed to the 105 that are part of this book that were then honed to 14 strategies, um, all met those World Works Clearinghouse criteria. And, and had we not had that, uh, we might still be reading those studies, making sense of those. So you know, I, like you, Carrie, I look forward to what 10 years from now, what tools we have at our disposable, disposal, what we learn, because we learn every single day. Kids, kids push us to learn and get better every day as we think about really what is going to help kids achieve. And, and and achieve their dreams, right? In the end, this is not about state tests. This is not about any sort of summative assessment in school, even though we know those are realities. This is really about when, for me personally, and a lot of the districts I work with, when kids leave our K-12 system, we want them to have every option available to them even options that they haven't maybe yet considered but that they have not only developed the knowledge but they also have the skills and the ways of thinking and the ways of attacking problems and working with people and the confidence in themselves to know how to take on those those tricky situations so that they can pursue whatever their their dreams are and i believe that when we focus on learning rather than teaching and when we in it becomes about st- the student-centered nature of learning that kids develop those skills that will allow them to yeah. to do all of that
1: so i think one of the other exciting pieces about this this work is that you know there are 14 strategies um think what's really interesting is that there are tools and processes and things that teachers are already doing in classrooms that align with those strategies. And so as an educator, you can read this book and you can say, well, I really love my kids to um, write a reflection journal and I don't want to break away from that practice. And so when you read the book, you can see that reflection is essential for learning and it fits in the learning model and it also aligns with one of the 14 strategies. In Cognitive writing is one of the 14 strategies and when you write a reflective journal, that's part of that. So, you know, there are things that teachers already do in their classrooms that they themselves can become the learner and say, okay, so I've done this for 20 years. Now here is some research telling me why it's a good thing to do it not only why, but it's also some tips or some guidance about how I could use it so that it has even more impact.
3: Yeah. I, I, Tanya, I love that because, you know, there are, there's overlap in mm-hmm. strategies from the last edition of CITW. There are also strategies that aren't here, but the reason is in, in for some of them, there's there are things that we know are good for kids that you can't test in a scientific research design. We always talk, for example, about the power of relationships in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, that we know that's essential. That's not one of the 14 because you can't say, well, we're going to have great relationships with these kids this year, but we're going to, you know, <laughs> ignore this group of kids. No, that's not what we do. You can't, there are some things you just can't study in that way. Right. And so when people say, but I've been doing this and getting good results, keep on doing it. And if you're looking to expand, this is, wh- this is where you go. Do these 14. Be yeah. purposeful with them. There are a number of them that teachers may look at and say, well, yeah, I've been doing, we used to call it um, non-linguistic representation, which is kind of now wrapped up under um, visualizations and concrete examples. It's a broader strategy, and but the difference now is, that it's really purposeful about, this is a great thing to use when students are learning new information, new concepts, and when they're making sense of it, having them create them themselves. So, whereas our previous guidance may have been about sharing, those non-linguistic representations with students. Now, it's not just about the sharing, but it's about the students' active involvement in it. So they're making sense of learning using those concrete examples uh, themselves. So,
2: What's nice to hear is that as new editions come out, it doesn't Debunk or remove any value from the Mm -hmm. older edition. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of building on the knowledge we've already had. And there might be terminology that changes, but the ideas are still similar because it is what works. And so I'm glad to hear that the second edition is not just going to fade away forever because I've done a lot of work based on that and I've learned a lot about the second edition. So I can use the new CITW just to enhance what I've learned so far.
3: Yes.
0: So we've kind of talked about classroom instruction that works and we've taken a really deep dive. So our next question naturally is what's immediately next for CITW?
3: Uh, Well, the good news is we are we've been using this in the field. We've been using it since we've been in development. The learning model that Tanya um, spoke of, we've been Well, gosh, we published that book in 2020, and we've been working with lots of schools applying the learning model since that time. And now we can bring the 14 strategies more purposefully to that. Um, But again, because as we've been learning and developing, we've been using it. We have been, we've got um, schools that have been Uh, implementing the new CITW uh, this since January. And so we've been doing some professional learning in the field with the new book. And we are really excited this summer to be offering uh, uh, several two-day sort of introductory sessions on the new classroom instruction that works. One of the things we know is that And and I I thought, Dallas, when you were talking about the board with all the strategies and all the things, but sort of like that, even with 14, it is not the sort of thing where you dive in and say, we're going to do 14 Mm -hmm. new strategies this year. One of the things we really want to be purposeful about, and, and really this is how we approach our work in general, is to understand if if a school or a district says, we wanna know more about the CITW, about the new CITW, we want to do professional learning with our teachers. The first question that we're gonna ask is, what's your outcome? What is it you wanna have changed as a result of this? And where are you right now? And so we doing, saying we're going to do the new class, in air quotes, to do the new classroom instruction that works this year is not about doing 14 strategies in a school year. It's really about saying, what do we want to change for our learners? What are we doing right now? And what's going to be our biggest entry point? So we are in the process of developing a survey to get some input, say, from a a school staff about which of these strategies do you use and how and why to understand their current thinking to then be able to work with uh, a principal or a professional learning coordinator to say, here's, this looks like this might be a good entry point. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to not do a canned, (laughs) here's your two-day workshop. First of all, we know that that's not what's most effective right. and that just a, a two day experience doesn't change practice. So what we're really trying to do is build. The, the professional learning that's going to meet people where they are, like we would do with students, mm-hmm. use the strategies in our professional learning, and support teachers in implementing them, and then reflecting on what was different for learners, what was different for me, and now where do we go from here? So that professional learning we're excited about, but I did mention the summer two-day workshops. We know that there are folks who are really interested in learning more And so we are offering two day introductory workshops this summer that are meant to get people interested. So if you think about our learning model, Phase one is become interested, and you've got to learn a little bit in order to be interested. We don't intend these as the be all end all that now you've got it all, but we do know that we've got folks who are familiar with classroom instruction that works, who want to know how is it like, how is it different, and will be interested. And people certainly will walk away from these two day introductory sessions with some new ideas and things that they can implement. Um, we would encourage them, of course, that they would think about how they would go beyond those two days and continue that learning um, because we know that for sustainability that we've got to return to the learning we've got to implement. We've got to talk with our peers. We've got to uh, continue to support that implementation. You know, just like with our students, our learning as adults, is not one and done. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got some other uh, things that we are developing for users of our Power Walkthrough Classroom Observation Platform, we have a new template that aligns with a new classroom instruction that works uh, for anybody who is going is interested in being able to um, monitor implementation using that or, or collect just collect implementation data. And uh, we've got a few other ideas that we're kicking around about some related um, products and services that will support uh, things for example uh, we there might be some use for a guide for planning for learning for example for um, really a reflective process for teachers to engage in how do you plan for learning and that we might provide um, some guidance related to that so some things on our um, our development burner that are simmering right now that will move forward we also uh are going to be over the next many months launching a series of two to four page briefs. So shorter than a white paper, but longer than a blog post that Mm -hmm. will be focused on some uh, individual topics, initially starting with leadership for best first instruction. And our idea is to start with a, of a pressing maybe problem of practice or an opportunity in a school and think about how you shift. So, for example, if as a leader you said, gosh, I really am intrigued with this idea of planning for learning, how do you support teachers in making the shift from planning for teaching to planning for learning? First of all, what does that mean? What does the research say? And then from there, How? What are the questions that I might ask? How might I prompt folks to think differently about that? What experiences do we engage in Mm -hmm. as a faculty to start to move our practice? And so we're looking at a series of these briefs. Um, The other piece that we really want to highlight, and we didn't really talk about this earlier, is that uh, the studies that support these 14 strategies, the vast majority of them were working with students who are multilingual learners students who were receiving support through special education students in poverty students who had who came to school without the same prior knowledge or i shouldn't say the same without maybe the prior knowledge or life experiences that some other students came with and these strategies supported those students in making huge gains as learners as well and so one of the things we want to point out and, and really make explicit in these briefs is that this is a about raising the learning levels for every student and so if if in a district you know you're talking about how do we make sure that all of our students each one of them is learning at a high level and no matter what their learner characteristics are and what their life experience has been that we've got some Uh, leadership and classroom application that we want to really raise up related to teaching and learning, to equity practices, to making sure that every student not only has the opportunity, but that we support them in being successful in those opportunities.
1: I'm really glad you brought that up, Chris, because a lot, a lot of districts that I work with right now are focused on that access and equity piece. And when you look at those 14 strategies, as you said, they apply to diverse learners. Yes. So if, if you're focusing on um, specific subgroups or even if you're focusing on your high flyers, right, your kids who are achieving at or above, all of these strategies apply. Yes.
3: And, and I I find it... Um... Uh, we left we we mentioned this here at the end because it's so ingrained in how we work because our work is always about every kid and making sure that all diverse learners um, however whatever that diversity is Mm -hmm. have that same all that that success Um, that was one of the premises the fundamental premises of this book
2: Well, when we talked at the beginning about the importance of a systematic approach from all levels, and not only do the strategies cover student levels, the resources in the development pipeline cover the uh, diversity of, is it a teacher? Is it a leadership person? So I feel like we are covering all of the bases. And so not just in the book, but outside of the book of what we can offer, there's just so many different methods and resources going to be available for it. Yes, Mm -hmm. Yes, multiple multiple entry pathways, entry points, you
3: know? It's important for everybody.
0: Yeah. There had to be some serious research backing this for it to be so universal,
3: I'm thinking. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know what that I think I don't think. I know that's one of the the things that sets McCrell apart, that makes us really unique, is that we have we get to work with a team of researchers Mm -hmm. who Absolutely know their stuff when it comes to right. looking at that, that those studies and being able to bring those together and raise them up and, and see the themes and, and the re- results in all of that. And at the same time, we have a group of consultants who are practitioners, who know what's happening in classrooms, who we spend our lives in classrooms, and how we can bring that together so that when we're out in the field as consultants, we aren't just drawing on, well, when I was in the classroom, this is what I did, or this is what I would do, but that we have this whole this knowledge base this research base Mm -hmm. that is the underpinning of everything that we do Mm -hmm. and that is in my humble opinion that's one of the things that makes the work we do so good
1: I agree I love being able to say to a teacher when I was in a high school math class last Mm -hmm. week we did this and this is what this is how the kids responded and this is what we learned from it like it's yes
3: much more powerful yes yes
2: Well, I feel like we have gone deep and wide and looked into the future, so thank you both for um, guiding us in this conversation today, and I am sure that there will be some listeners who might have questioned or want to reach out with general feedback, so if people are curious
3: about learning more. Chris, how about you first? How can they contact you? Uh, well, I would say the easiest way to contact me is to email me, and my all of our email addresses at macrell are our first initial last name at macrell.org. So for me, that's K R O U L E A U at dot org.
2: Awesome. Thank you. And Tanya, you too. I think, yeah. Email is the easiest
1: way. And Chris just said, you know, T Gibson at Um, Also Twitter, you can find me on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can find MacRell on Twitter as well. So, you know, if you find us and you have a question, shoot us a question. Someone will get back to you.
0: Be sure to link that as well. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chris and Tanya, for joining us. And um, as you mentioned in the episode, there was a couple of resources that we'll be sure to link in the description of this episode. Uh, Including the in person PD events coming up Mm -hmm. uh, in Denver, Austin, Texas, and New Jersey, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, We'll also be sure to link to the free white paper, uh, Unleashing Best First Instruction, that has the learning model, 14 strategies, and also a good view of the research that went Mm -hmm. into the new CITW. And uh, lastly, we'll also link to the new CITW webpage, where any other additional updates coming uh, pretty recently, up to ten years from now, whenever we release the next edition, um, that will all be on that website. So we'll be sure to enter that link as well.
1: Great! Thanks for having us. Awesome! It was fun. Thanks.